high school, middle school students that I earned my degree in history um, simply because I love the story of the world. I never remembered any dates. You can still ask me. I, I have no idea what dates are, but all the tests are essay, and all you have to do is write down the story of the world. And I loved that idea of, of the big picture stories of our lives. Um, and we all have big stories. We all have, you know, cradle to grave type stories, birth stories, uh, the stories of us growing up, the stories that we're still all living here today. Uh, and we also have our little stories, our little crazy stories uh, that become anecdotal stories around a dinner table. If you know our family, and as a heads up, our family motto is we don't live normal lives. Um, we have some very crazy stories. We have a story where we once sunk a boat uh, in Grand Traverse Bay. It went down to the bottom. Uh, we have a story where uh, my husband was attacked by a squirrel. I get leapt off the tree and onto his chest, and he's flailing. And I uh, have a story where I was once served barbecued rat on a stick in India. It does actually taste like chicken um, once you get beyond the fact that it's a rat. Uh, we have a story where we very spontaneously decided to climb Long's Peak. Um, which is a, a 14er, I guess is the phrase, in Colorado. I had never climbed a mountain before um, and felt a little misled, you know, 13 hours later, hardly being able to walk down that mountain. Um, so we, ha we have some crazy stories in our lives. And really cool thing is the Bible also has some of these crazy little stories. So they're stories of donkeys talking and stories of fire being called down from heaven there's stories of angel armies surrounding God's faithful. There's stories of people being fed when there was no food and wine where there was no wine. There's stories of people being called to be warriors in the kingdom of God and people running away from that calling and then getting swallowed by a fish. There are stories of fathers and mothers loving their children in really extraordinary ways. And there are stories of faithfulness and betrayals. There's miraculous survival stories of people surviving lions and furnaces. But there's a big story of the Bible, and this is one that Kate introduced last week, and she did such a good job. So if you haven't heard it or you weren't here last week, go to the website when you get home and listen to it because it's so good. But to sum it up, it's the story of a God who's pursuing his people. That from the time of creation, from the first pages of the Bible to the very last, it's this epic arc of a heroic God who is here to rescue us. It's the story of the past, of the history of the world, present of God pursuing his people now, and the story of the future. So it all starts with creation. That's the first part of the story. It takes place in the first couple chapters of the book, uh, the hook where God made everything, but he took the most time in making his people. And the second part of the story is the fall. The world becomes broken. People turn away from God and God's plan for them. They break that bond with God and they try to do things their own way. And then the third part of the story probably takes up the most of the book is the story of redemption. God is a God who comes to save his people. And he does this a lot of different ways through many different people, till the climax of the story, the peak of the hero's narrative when Jesus comes to rescue. And he takes on the death for all of us. And then he throws off that punishment to make permanently way open, permanently open for God's people to be reunited. And the fourth part of the story is restoration. And this is the 
peace where the past sins are cleared, that the relationship between God and his people is strengthened, and eventually the world returns to how God had always planned it. And this isn't a story that stayed in the Bible, but it's happening now. So this week, that's what we're focusing on, is how is these, are these same four parts of the big rescue story of God still happening today, are happening in your lives. If you're sitting here, your story isn't done yet. Our life story and all the little pieces that make it up can follow the same pattern found in God's story. Now, I have with me today two people who have bravely decided to share their story with you this morning um, through this lens of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And they've spent some time thinking about it this week. Um, and first up is Foster. Uh, so Foster was up here earlier. He's a former elder. Um, you usually hear Foster before you see him. You can usually find him by just listening for that voice of his. Uh, and he is a trusted member of this family, so he is here to share a little bit of his story. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. And thank you for giving me just a few minutes to share this. It was a bit of a challenge to try to uh, kind of put my story into this framework of creation, redemption, uh, fall, redemption, and restoration, but I think I got it. So I'll see if we can do it in three to five minutes, which may be the bigger challenge. But anyway, as far as creation, I kind of represent the boom after World War II, quite literally. Born in 1946, I was part of that post-war baby boom and filled with a lot of hope for a country and a world recovering from the death of more than 20 million people in Russia alone and around the rest of the world. And uh, I kind of grew up in a leave it to beaver culture in Wisconsin where I was raised. And at the age of 14, as a matter of fact, decided to um, become a priest. And I left for the seminary, Roman Catholic seminary. So from the time I was 14 to the time I was 26, I was in a Roman Catholic seminary. The last two years spent in Venezuela where I was a missionary intern, if you will, finishing up my degree work. That was kind of the beginning that was setting the scene for me. But in 1972, when I left the seminary, I walked away entirely from any kind of religious practice at all. And I had been like a star student in the seminary. Great grades, just, just a star student, but I was able to completely walk away from that in 1972 because, and that's where the fall comes in, part of me that was woven in there was alcoholism and a whole bunch of other things that eventually caught up with me uh, even after uh, marrying a wonderful lady like my wife, Jenny, in 1975. And by 1978, our marriage was a mess. Matter of fact, we were in counseling and it was interesting, we were counseling with a Christian woman who uh, put up with my crudeness and just ugliness, stuck with us, and invited us through a series of events to her church, which was a uh, black Baptist church in near Indian Village, Greater Christ Baptist Church, I think affiliated with this at one point through the American Baptist. And on March the 19th, 1978, I heard words that transformed my life. 
the life of an alcoholic, an adulterer, and a general fool. Stan Scott, who was a pastor, after a long altar call said, Jesus said, the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. I understood that. I was living in that wreckage, that fall. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and the fullness of it. And I stood up at the back of that church and walked forward to his invitation and knelt and surrendered my life. I said, I want what you have to offer, Lord. I'm willing to take this leap of faith and trust in you. And in that moment, a transformation began in my life that was, while instantaneous in that moment, began to spread. Within a year, I was sober, and I've been sober for 38 years. Within a few months, that's God's grace. Within a few months, our marriage was restored and healed. And we have celebrated, we're going to be celebrating, I think, 44 years this year. God is good. So there was not only redemption, but there was restoration that God had done in my life. The enemy indeed had been stealing from me and killing me. And that was part of what the fall cost me. But in that moment of redemption, I gained so much more. I came home that day, and I remember picking up a Bible, and suddenly it was a letter written to me. It was astounding. And I went on from there to uh, have a career as a Christian broadcaster on a number of stations in Detroit and have had uh, an interesting career as a broadcaster for the last 44 years, including 25 at WJR. But that story of redemption is continuing. And I won't go into a whole lot of detail, just except to say that in 2009, I received the diagnosis of cancer, an incurable cancer called multiple myeloma, which is a blood cancer of the bone marrow. And um, no cure has been found, but I have, by the grace of God, been able to live well beyond the predictions that they had for me, which is three to five years. This is my eighth year of survival. And uh, that, by God's grace. So that's part of the... Part of the restoration that's going on is that in the midst of that journey, God has, has, has taught me to see dealing with cancer and the other things as an adventure with him. And I'm on a new adventure with him. He is walking with me through the valley of the shadow of death, and I know that he's with me. Um, he's kept me going. And I have the same confidence that Paul had in Philippians when he said, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ. And that is my ongoing gospel story. Thank you, Foster. I love, um, I don't, my guess is you probably didn't write it down, but how many times in that you said, by the grace of God, by God's grace, by God, by God was the, God is the hero in Foster's story, and I love that. I love that sharing. Uh, next up, I have Maddie Marshall. Maddie uh, works for Crew, which is a campus ministry. Um, she is becoming a trusted friend, and if you ever want someone to actively listen to you when you're talking, talk to Maddie because that's what she will do. So, welcome Maddie to the stage. <laughs> 
Okay, great. Hi, guys. Um, okay, so I start mine off with a quote. So Thomas Aquinas, um, there's a quote by him, and it says that there is within every soul a thirst for happiness and meaning. And so I think I began to feel this thirst when I was 12 years old. Um, my parents and I moved from Texas to Michigan, leaving my two older siblings behind. Um, and so this kind of changed everything that I knew to be true. Um, and so I began asking some deep life questions of who am I, why am I here, and where am I going? And I remember, um, I think it was my sister's boyfriend tried to comfort me, saying I could look at the move as an opportunity. I could be anyone I wanted to be because no one in Michigan would know who I am or anything about me. And so I remember thinking that society tells you that if you're popular and act like you have it all together, that that leads to happiness. And so I kind of went into that school year acting out a part. This attempt to reinvent myself, though, resulted in rejection from my peers, suicidal thoughts, and a transfer of schools the following year. It didn't satisfy this thirst, and it only intensified my search more. And so I looked to dating, because obviously that's a good place to find it, and um, found meaning in being able to make someone close to me happy, which reflected my actions of giving my time and my body to this source of comfort, struggling with sexual impurity beginning at age 13. I had unknowingly entered a cycle of dating, investing my time and myself into these relationships, and when it ended, having the feeling that something was still missing, only to find comfort in the arms of the next guy. And so the meaning and happiness that I found in dating kept falling apart with each passing relationship. And so I looked to filling up my schedule with leadership positions, clubs, and sports in high school, and this continued in college when I joined a sorority at Michigan State and I took on leadership positions. Uh, and though I had achieved much, um, the, t the purpose um, that it served only lasted as long as the task or membership. There was always more that I could do to build up my resume, and it seemed as though I could never do enough. And so in the midst of my search, God began to pursue me through an older girl in my sorority, Sigma Kappa, who had a personal relationship with Jesus and patiently persisted and inviting me to Bible study every week for a year. Um, and through my past church experience, I had developed my definition of a Christian as someone who had it all together, did a lot of good things, and the, the idea of trying to do this left me feeling defeated because I knew I couldn't devote enough time on top of my schedule to be this perfect type of person. And so when I attended my first Bible study about a year after being invited, I remember that our leader said that her life was so messy that she was unable to live the perfect life, which is why she needed Jesus. And that instantly sparked my interest and kind of challenged me to rethink what I knew to be true. And so in the winter of 2010, I finally saw myself in a place of brokenness and realized that I, the things that I looked to for life didn't deliver. So I decided to try to investigate who Jesus is and decide if I could try him or trust him with my life. I felt vulnerable in realizing I couldn't achieve God's perfect standard, but was relieved by the fact that God provided a way for me to know him and be known by him. I found out that Jesus had to die on the cross, taking my past, present, and future failures so that I could live a different life, experiencing true forgiveness, which fueled me to be able to do less and trust him more. I saw that the things I was looking to for life weren't meant to satisfy me. And so the pressure was off by trusting in what Jesus had done on my behalf. I found joy, meaning, and satisfaction that I didn't know was possible. 
God has given me a desire to know him more by spending time in his word and continuing to grow in my relationship with him while helping others find the same joy as well as I serve with crew in Detroit. And as much as I searched to find significance in other things, God has shown me that knowing him enables me to understand who I am and the woman he has created me to be. And though I know these things, I still often believe the lie that I have to be perfect to be accepted by God and others. I fear being exposed as a failure, and if a failure, then not worthy of love and acceptance. I look to people to affirm me in my Christian life if I'm doing it right or I'm qualified enough. And so, at times, I fail to experience the freedom of Jesus who still accepts me as I am. And he who began this good work in me through what he has done on the cross reminds me that the living God is not finished with me yet and will continue to heal me. But a few things I know for sure as I wait for the day when he promises to come back and make all things right and new in my heart and in the world. I'm created to know God personally. I'm here to know him more and share him with others, and I'll be with him forever. Thanks. So what I love is their stories are very different, but they had the same elements, right? Um, and they also both had the, the time of redemption, the time where, where Jesus really entered their lives, was brought about in part because Jesus used other people and other people's words and other people sharing their faith with them in order for them to take the steps. For, for Foster, it was literally taking the steps up the aisle. For Maddie, it was, it was changing internally. Um, so you've heard their stories. Now we're gonna take a little time to think about yours. Um, if it hasn't already happened, someone out there may someday ask you, why do you follow Jesus? Someone might ask you, why do you go to church? Someone might ask you, why or how is your life different because of your faith? What makes it different? And all of these are your opportunity to share the gospel, your good news, your experience, because people can argue about a lot of things. They can't really argue with your own experience, the good news of God that you've experienced in your lives. So we're gonna do a little exercise here. Um, introverts, this one's all for you. I'm an introvert, so this is, this is my gift to you today. Um, you may have already done it in your gospel primer, uh, or in your small group, but even if you have, there is an insert in your bulletin. If you didn't get a bulletin, find a scrap sheet of paper or pull up the notes app on your phone. If you need a pen, they should be in the pew in front of you. There's no excuses not to do this. Um, and we are gonna look at some questions that might help you piece together your story in the context of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. So we are gonna start at the beginning. And here's one kind of disclaimer at the beginning. You might not be able to fill them all in, and that is okay. But you exist, so you can at least fill in number one. So let's start with number one. Uh, when it comes to your own stories, this is your creation story, who or what most shaped who you thought you were or who you think you are? Where do you get your real value and identity in life from? Where are your roots? Where is your source of value? Take a moment, write it down. 
right, moving on to number two, the fall. In your story, this refers to what was broken. Why was your relationship with God and others not the way it was supposed to be? In what ways were you far from God? Or are you far from God? Move on to number three, redemption. In your story, this answers the question, how has Jesus paid the penalty for your sins? And how did you come to faith, to trust in him to save and restore your life to the way that God intended? It could be an event, a date, like Foster said, or it could be a series of events like Maddie shared. And the last piece of the story is restoration. Restoration in your story means what is happening in your life now. How is God changing you, using you, speaking to you? What is the focus of your life now? How has your identity changed? So you all just did it, or at least considered the questions. You outlined your story through the lens of God's big rescue story. And if you were able to fill out every section, or still are writing, because that's awesome, you are living an incredible story. An epic story, one where you have experienced God in real ways. You have been pursued and rescued by a heroic God, and if that is your story, share it. Don't be afraid to tell it. This is the, the hope that people of the world need, is the idea and knowing that God is out there pursuing him. It's way better than a story about a rat on a stick. But maybe you were only able to answer the first one or the first two, and if that's the case, that is okay. Because like I said earlier, if you're sitting here this morning, you are still living your story. We haven't all experienced all the parts of our stories yet. And we haven't all seen what God wants to do in our lives. If you are only able to fill out the first one or two sections, be on the lookout for the page turning. Because like it was shared last week, God is pursuing you. God wants to get to that restored part of the relationship with you. And when you get there, what an epic, crazy, awesome story you're gonna have to tell. Now, God made me as someone who really loves to teach. 
And as teachers do, um, we're going to finish up today by looking at some of the original text. And I want these promises of God as the author of our stories to wash over you. So if you're visual, follow along on the screen. If you're auditory, just close your eyes and listen to the words. Because there's goodness in these words, there's hope. And if you hear a word or a phrase or a promise that stands out to you, write it down, make a note of it. And just enjoy these reminders of, of all that God wants from your story. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb, and you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin, that we could be made right with God through Christ. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows. He frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord, will, the Lord will reign forever. May you leave today with the knowledge and remembrance that God is working in your life. The one who created your inmost being, the one who knit you together, he has written the days of your life, working to be the hero in your story and planning on rescuing the world. So have a great Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come for spaghetti tomorrow. <laughs>